Welcome to the Sports Size Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bassett. And I'm Dr. Katherine Logan. On each episode, we chat about the most recent developments in sports medicine and dissect through all the noise so you know which literature should actually impact your practice. Today, we're continuing our special series of episodes to recap the newest research presented at the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons annual meeting, our largest orthopedic conference. This year, over 20,000 orthopedic professionals gathered at the AOS annual meeting in San Francisco to take part. On this episode, we are recapping some of the standout posters presented at AOS with Dr. Megan Bishop. If you haven't listened to our last mini episode, what are you waiting for? Go check it out and hear all about the AOS meeting. But today, we're just going to dive right in. If you're looking for a trusted name in osteochondral allograft transplantation, look no further than JRF Ortho. With a stellar track record and a reputation as the leader in fresh osteochondral allografts, JRF Ortho is here to elevate your practice to new heights. JRF Ortho has proudly distributed over 25,000 allografts worldwide, making a significant impact in the field. Their passion for this industry goes beyond the numbers. It's about helping patients and fulfilling their mission of improving people's quality of life. But that's not all. At JRF Ortho, they understand that superior customer care is crucial. They aim to give you one less thing to think about so you can focus on what matters the most, your patients. And they make ordering JRF Ortho easy. They're committed to accommodating your needs, delivering allografts on your terms. You're in control. Choose your scheduling option, whether it's specifying a surgery date, providing a date range, or just requesting the earliest available allograft. Your preferences are their top priority, so prepare for success. Order with JRF Ortho and take control of your orthopedic journey. Hi, Megan. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Catherine. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, so we'll dive into our next poster, which is titled The Influence of Donor Demographics on Outcomes Following Knee Osteochondral Allograft Transplantation. So this study was performed by Dr. Brian Cole and Dr. Adam Yankee at Rush and aimed to assess the impact of donor sex and age, donor recipient sex mismatch, and graft storage duration on clinical outcomes and failure rates following OCA transplantation in the knee. So the authors found that in contrast to previous literature, which we have reviewed on this podcast, no substantial survival difference was observed for sex mismatched OCA donors and recipients in terms of reoperation or failure. So Megan, prior to this, do you attempt to sex mask your osteochondral allograft donor with recipient patient? And if so, will this change your practice? Yeah, I mean, we have seen some good data that had come out from Dr. Amal and HSS that had shown that sex-matched um, osteochondral allografts were preferred in, in uh, survivability. Um, so, you know, I did take that into consideration. I actually thought it was a really great study. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was kind of excited about the information that came out of it because it kind of made sense to me at the time. Um, however, you know, uh, I obviously taking that, you know, I would try, it wouldn't be a hundred percent. Like if I wasn't able to get a donor in time or a donor that wasn't available, I, you know, I wouldn't go for sex match, but it would be preferred for me to be able to have a sex match craft. Um, so this is interesting, you know, data that shows, you know, they had 360 patients, which is a really large number of patients that went under OCA. And they really found there were no, you know, demographic factors of the, um, the allografts, uh, donor allografts that made a difference um, in the outcomes. So, including sex. So I, I think this is obviously strong data going in the other direction that it, it may not necessarily matter. Um, and it's 
probably a better thing that we is one thing we don't necessarily have to worry about in, in terms of graph availability and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think this is good to to add to the literature and to kind of add to our um, decision making process that there's this other study out there that kind of goes against what we saw uh, in that previous study. And this has a much larger amount of patients in this study. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I think we had, at the end of 2023, we had uh, Dr. William Bugbeon, on, who has been doing OCA since, like, its onset and has a ton of experience. And he was really sort of, no, I don't, you know, essentially mm-hmm. believe in gender mismatch. And I just, um, you know, want to get the right size. And I want to, um, you know, get a graph for this person. I don't push it off if the gender is um, not matched. And, you know, he hadn't seen any impact. So, you know, I think that was one of the first times I really had like interacted with someone who sort of came out strongly to say like, no, that I don't believe in this, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of, and I think Ashley had a similar reaction. So it was sort of interesting. So I was excited to see Cole's study. Um, I do think, you know, again, his study was also well done and um, he obviously has a lot of experience in this. So um, I think it means that, you know, we have more options for our patient which is nice. Um, so hopefully the delays to get them to surgery is also, you know, quicker. Um, Ashley, I feel like it's changed your practice a little bit too. Wouldn't you agree that? Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, I think thankfully with, you know, I, I think we've talked about this, like we both use JRF ortho for most of our, you know, osteochondral allografts and with their kind of ease of graft availability, I think it's really, it's become easier to find graft yeah. matches that fit. So like Megan said, if I have the option between a male and a female, I'm, I'm going to choose a female for a female and a male for a male. But a lot of times, like if we're dealing with, you yeah. know, uh, a medial femoral condyle, osteochondral lesion, especially sizable, we need to make sure it's size matched. We don't really have that luxury all the time, especially medial femoral condyle. So I do think that um, seeing this was reassuring to not know that I have to make that patient wait another month or two or longer to get a perfect now gender matched as well graft. Um, so I do find that's pretty beneficial. Yeah. yeah, I think one thing I saw on here too, they said um, the mismatch in donor and recipient sex was present for more female patients, 90% than male patients, only 10%. So it seems like there's probably a lot more male graft availability out there, which is what I took from that. Like 90% of the females were the ones that were mismatched. Um, So, you know, it's probably much more restrictive, it seems, to find a female to a female graft just based on that alone from this study. Um, So it certainly will help with availability, uh, you know, for everyone uh, to not have to put that into consideration every time. Yeah. Yeah, I think no, that's I think, also a really good go point because um, when the Gamal Gamal's paper looked at it and they found that females, so male to female recipients had the highest rate of an increased risk of failure. And so this study included 90% of the mismatch right. was in females and they didn't show a difference. So I think that's even kind of further supports that there may not be a difference if that many, that high percentage of the mismatch was in female and they still failed to show a difference in graft survivability. I think that really bolsters their their kind of conclusions. Yeah, yeah. I think ultimately like this all comes down to just doing a good surgery. You know, doing you know, picking the right graft, picking, you know, the right size, um, do you know doing overall a good surgery for the right indications um, is probably the most important thing when you're doing cartilage uh, procedures. Yeah. And I think um, the other thing, you know, there's other value uh, variables that we always think about. So um, although no donor variables were associated with failure, storage time over 25 days trended towards a higher risk of failure. 
So as we saw, this did not reach statistical significance. Um, but, you know, I think that's something that we also, like you're sort of saying, it has to be like a good surgery. We also have to think about where are we getting this graft from? You know, what are their storage techniques? How long is it being stored? You know, what was that transport to us? You know, there's all these other little variables, like how do you handle it on the back table? Um, so I think all those things sort of come into play along with like indications. There's so many, like, if you sort of miss all these little steps, you know, it's just like a domino um, that mm -hmm. it's all going to get impacted. Yeah. Um, and then Ashley, I think um, you're always very good about um, calling out when we've spoken about something in detail before. <laughs> so I'll put it up on YouTube as well for anybody who's sort of watching, but um, we did that um, two-part episode with Dr. Bill Bugby. So it was all on like, you know, end-to-end -end for osteochondral allograft transplantation, um, you know, everything from processing to storage, you know, so um, that was episode 59, which I think we're like in the 70s now, which I don't know. I'm glad busy you have fun for you guys. <laughs> I don't know how you do it all. <laughs> it's fun. We have guests yeah. like you on. It's fun. I know. It's like you get to catch up. And just and all hear our like dogs and children running around in the background. Like, and I just really, <laughs> I'm yeah. waiting for my cat to just jump up yeah. right here. <laughs> He's like thinking about it. <laughs> and I'm sure you already heard River like right away. Actually, that was maybe in a different episode that we're recording together, but right away she just. Um. <laughs> okay. Anything else on this paper that we want to touch on, or this poster, I should say? Now, the only thing I also liked about this poster, which uh, was that they kind of, they had very good detailed charts that we, we don't have to go through specifically, but they, they kind of broke it down to all the different locations um, that they did the osteochondral allografts in from like the patella to the trochlea, to the medial condyle, lateral femoral condyle. And, um, you know, I liked that they separated it out into each area. And, and again, they found no difference, you know, looking at uh, each separate area of the knee. But I thought that was important because, you know, we kind of treat uh, each, you know, compartment of the knee differently. So um, it was good to see that they looked at that. Yeah, agree. And as we all know, they, you know, those patients behave differently and have different complaints and different, That's you right. know, especially if it's more like trochlear groove as opposed to, you know, weight-bearing condyle. Um, so, yeah, agree. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sports Docs. We hope you enjoyed our discussion as much as we did. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube to stay up to date on all things sports medicine. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving us a review. We also love to see your comments and hear about your questions. You can reach us by email at sportsdocspod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at the sportsdocspod and Twitter at the sportsdocpod. We love your feedback.